and gentlemen, sports fans around the world, we are back. Run the points. I am Dr. Robert L. Bardinas, PT, DPD, your resident physical therapist. Aaron, how you doing, brother? Man, I don't get no cool title. I don't get no cool letters after my name that's made up. <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> you can call, I, I got my uh, I got my PhD, man. My player hated degree. Uh, there, there we go. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. You got you got two two doctors in the show. Where, where do you get that in a in a sports podcast? Nowhere else. Uh, we're gonna do things a, a little bit a little bit differently this week. We we have uh, no scripts. We have no itinerary. We're just gonna spend spend a good hour talking nothing but but good old pigskin. Good old gridiron, good old football. We uh, got a couple of preseason weeks in the books. Uh, training camp is wrapping up for NFL teams. Players are getting cut. Uh, rosters are shaping up for the upcoming season. And then, of course, we have the looming NCAA football season as well. So uh, let's let's kick things right off. Aaron, any anything that uh, is just burning for you any burning questions any 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 significant things that you've noticed in the, the first couple of weeks of preseason what do you got to get off your chest regarding the nfl the stupid tackling rule that they have come up with this year is just like annoying as hell to deal with and they can't seem to get it right so i am glad they have uh decided to put it under review and Go back and re-evaluate uh, this stupid rule that they put in place this year. Uh, I I agree 100%. Um, you know, we we can definitely get into uh, how that affects the defensive players a little bit later in the show. But um, first thing that comes to mind when you bring that up, Aaron, is I've actually seen referees miss a lot of obvious plays, uh, perhaps in in lieu of really trying to focus on that new rule. No, I I think they may be so honed in. On, on getting that right, or at least you know what the original uh, rule was was supposed to be, um, that I've seen them miss some fairly fairly simple calls that even the worst of refs should make. Have you have you happened to catch on that? It's typical, you know. It always seems like every year they either get one right or get one wrong, or every game, and it's just like, how do you miss that one and then screw it up by completely going the opposite way with it? So yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I guess we have to we have to consider that it's preseason for the rest too, right? I mean, we we can't if we're gonna cut them any slack, uh, it might as well be during these first four exhibition games, you know. I mean, I I give them the slack. I mean, and I understand, but I'm also just like, it ain't that hard, bro. Like, <laughs> the rule is pretty simple. It's pretty self-explanatory, and I don't understand how you keep. Screwing it up. So, 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 so what? Yeah. Are, what what's what's the latest buzz on on the on the rule? Uh, what's what changes uh, are they or are they not uh, supposedly making? Why don't you shed some light on that? So, as far as what they're making, I don't know. All I know is that today they announced that they were going to sit down and re-review the rule. Uh, and the intentions of the rule, and by week one, they should have, you know, basically a revised rule of it published. And so essentially, you know, 
you have another two weeks, but they didn't specifically say, or at least the article I read uh, did not specifically lay out exactly what they were looking for or looking to change. Now, it's man. Uh, I was listening to the Adam Schefter podcast this morning, which if y'all haven't listened to it, it's it's some good stuff. Uh, you know, if, if I'm gonna I'm gonna promote someone's podcast other than ours, might as well be be the great Adam Schefter. Um, <clears throat> but he had he had Ryan Clark on there, and uh, I mean they, they were they were discussing um, today's NFL, the state of today's NFL, and these rule changes, particularly with with tackling and hitting, um, and. Uh, Ryan Clark was pretty much saying he he couldn't play in today's NFL. I mean he 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 was he was pretty pretty open and and honest about that. I mean it, it's it's changed so much that when you consider the, the Ryan Clarks, the Troy Palomalus, the the Ed Reeds, I mean a lot of those guys would get flagged left and right. Um, and Ryan Clark was also alluding to um, teams and 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 scouts and coaching staffs placing even more emphasis on just pure measurables, like, for example, um, uh, defender speed, defender size, um, agility, things of that sort, because, uh, you know, you're just going to have to kind of chase guys down at this point. Um, what do you think about the great safeties that you and I grew up watching in, in today's NFL, right? You just, you, just, you, could, you just can't see them being successful nowadays. I mean, it's a different league, and I think, you know, it's a different point. Um, but I agree. It kind of goes back to the, you know, to the NBA of, you know, hand checking, no hand checking, and, the you know, the rules they've changed over the years, you know, when it comes to um, them. So I think the biggest thing, though, is, you know, I, I would agree, but I think the biggest difference is that football is in a, you know, it's a physical sport, right? Um, no matter how hard you – um, you know, try and make it safer. That's just the, the nature of the game, right? It's just you got 11 men, you know, basically kind of going at it each play. Um, so it's, you know, a pretty hefty, uh, you know, rule change to me that I just don't understand. And I think it's kind of, you know, when implemented is very stupid. <laughs> year after year, uh, they the NFL that is, they always harp and preach on player safety. Um and I would be a fool to not hope for a safer game for for the today's NFL players, you know, for for youth football and youth sports in general. Uh, but it's it's very very challenging to to comprehend as a fan, and forget as a player, but as a fan to where you want to draw the line because you've got this give and take with player safety and uh, the the entertainment of football and. What what football is at its core, as you mentioned, a very very physical and and brutal sport. Uh, but times change. Uh, you know, good reference to the NBA. Uh, I mean, the NBA is nowhere near as physical now as it was in the in the 80s, 90s, and even before that. Uh, it's it, it's it's making it's it's making us all think twice about about player safety and. You know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be inevitable basically that because they they kind of have to think of all the all the concussion issues and all the research that's gone into that, uh, but the offense is gonna continue to thrive and we're gonna see, you know, eighty point games uh, sooner or later scores of of eighty to seventy five is what I think. 
Yeah, I mean, I think just the hard part is this, is that, you know, I think was it this weekend when the Saints were playing and I think it was the Vikings and that Vikings defender got, you know, the hit and it's just kind of like, I mean, what is, how do you tackle? Like, I mean, that's, you know, I, I, when I played football, that's how you were taught, you know, you leave with your shoulder. I mean, and then the natural position is your head's going to be down. Like, you know, albeit you kind of swoop it off to the side, you know, and then after that, that's it. I mean, you got to see what you hit. Um, you can't just, run blind and hopefully just kind of throw yourself at a guy and, you know, oh, hope I hit him. <laughs> hope I hit him hard enough to where he falls, you know, kind of a deal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just think it's – and I, I think the thing with the NFL, too, is they're a very reactionary league, so they always react to everything. So it's like, oh, it's a big uproar over this, so let us fix it. Um, instead of being proactive, and I think in this situation, you know, they've kind of overreacted and, you know, overcorrected. A mistake that I don't think is a mistake. So I think with the whole – um, when it comes to concussion and all that other stuff, now it's out there, right? So it's like you know what you're getting yourself up to. It's kind of like when you go and you do any sort of extreme sport, right? You sign that waiver saying, hey, like you're about to jump out of this airplane. You know, if this chute doesn't open and you die, like you assume responsibility for that. And I think the NFL kind of needs to go, hey, this is a physical game. We're going to try and make it as safe for you as possible. But just know that there is a possibility that, you know, you could seriously injure yourself. And if you're willing to take on that liability, that light risk, it's at your own. You know, it's not at no fault of us. So I think that's the biggest thing between now and then with the concussion stuff was, you know, before, you know, they were quote-unquote hiding it and not putting it out there. But I think that in this day and age with all the information we have available, it's kind of like, okay, you know what you're signing yourself up for and getting into. So um, at the end of the day, if something drastically happens to you, that's your own fault and not the fault of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. Um, but with all the information out there, as you as you mentioned, it's, I mean, how much of it is, is a, uh, you know, I, I hate to use this phrase, but how much of this is, a, you know, a publicity thing? I mean, I'm sure the NFL is getting a lot of heat regarding regarding all this. Uh, but at the end of the day, it happens so fast. You have these quote unquote bang bang plays, um, and you know, great great. Great point about you grow up learning to tackle a certain way, learning to play a certain way, um, and you can only be so successful with those fundamentals uh, that it's 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 going to be really hard to to change to to change the game. You know, these one of my favorite phrases, man, change the game. Um, but one thing that I've noticed during the preseason, and uh, I I doubt it has anything to do with with uh, um, receivers wanting to run across the middle or defenders being concerned about getting a flag for a tackle or things of that, that sort. But, um, no, call me crazy, but I've seen a lot of players, sorry, a lot of teams uh, run the ball a lot more, more than I expected. Uh, it could be that it's preseason and teams are out there. These are vanilla offensive game plans. They're not trying to show their hand. Uh, but I, I, I can't remember a preseason where I've seen this many teams run the ball this much. I mean, none of these teams are taking chances. They're not throwing the ball downfield. Uh, preseason isn't generally that exciting to begin with, but um, I, I, it's it's super conservative. I, mean, I don't. I think it's it's mere coincidence rather than a, a product of their environment. Um, but what's your thoughts on that? Um, so I kind of agree with you uh, in a sense that. Um, it, but I, I guess my disagreement with you is more so of, of why it's happening. 
Um, so I think to me it's just solely because, like you said, it's the preseason, right? Um, it's vanilla offenses. No one really wants to kind of show their hand. Um, and then also just kind of last year with as many, um, you know, players that have gone down to injury, it's just kind of like let's, you know, basically kind of, um, you know, work the kinks out, just get the guys some game speed, real live action, you know, for the rookies and for the guys trying to make the team um, and assess from there. But, I mean, to me it's kind of like, you know, I don't really think the preseason is a time to work on your zone blitz scheme, right? Um, I, <laughs> it's just kind of like, all right, you know, let's just run some simple cover two, cover three, uh, you know, you know, man-to-man kind of, you know, offenses, safety help, no safety help, see how the guys hold up. But, you know, to me, it's like I'm not out here kind of practicing crazy blitz games, throwing out, you know, weird packages. You know, I'm not going to practice the Wildcat uh, during, <laughs> you know, during it. Uh, you know, work on that, you know, quarterback pass, you know, kind of deal, you know, with the flea flicker or whatever it might be. So, to me, it's just kind of like <laughs> I think this year – I mean, but, I mean, you saw it, um, I think, with the Vikings. They've already lost six starters, right, or six people who play. I think, you know, two of them were starters, um, and the rest were kind of guys who, you know, don't start but see the field regularly. Um, and you see it with this week with the Falcons sitting Julio Jones um, and um, Devontae Freeman. Um, you know, to me it's just kind of like what's the point? Um, you know, Brady – um, he didn't play in the first preseason game, and, you know, he normally does two preseason games you know, at this point in his career. Um, you know, you'll usually do the first and third, um, and then he'll sit out week one and week four. Um, so, to me, it's just kind of – I think it's just more of it. Um, and I think, again, just more so teams are starting to really err on the side of caution with, um, you know, just kind of the things and, you know, wait for week one to go and go at it healthy. So, so I, I I agree with you. Uh, I I definitely do. But my my reservation with that is how can how can you truly evaluate uh, a player, especially uh, a player on the roster bubble? How can you truly evaluate the effectiveness of your offensive or or, or excuse me or defensive game plan? Um, how can how can you accurately uh, make an objective decision? and project how successful your team is going to be this upcoming season if you're just if you if you're you're playing you're playing the game this way and yes it's preseason but we're we're on the same wavelength there but you know I I usually see some, some fireworks I usually see some sparks fly I mean I, I just see a bunch bunch of duds man and uh I I do find it very interesting um I I do I do think that injuries are a huge concern uh, especially with how they've uh, been happening in the recent preseasons, how they've already happened this preseason. Uh, but we can easily get into a discussion about does the NFL need uh, four whole preseason games? Uh, we've already discussed before, you know, do they even need the Hall of Fame game? Uh, you know, how, how much is, is enough? And if we've been through two preseason games, two weeks of preseason, and we're seeing all this, conservatism and all this vanilla out there uh, uh, just to circle back I, I, I don't think that these coaching staffs can truly evaluate what they have um, you know just just speaking from from the fan side of things uh, and you know I consider myself a fantasy football guru so you know I'm a little selfish there in that regard uh, but 
Uh, and any any thoughts on on that? I mean, of course you got practice, you got training camp, you got mini camp, but 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 this is it. These four preseason games. This is when you get live action uh, against another team, uh, and you get you, know, you got a 53 man roster. You have to make a decision on, but you go into camp with what is it like like 90 guys or something like that. Uh, this this is this is the time to to see what you got. And football is a long season, as we've discussed. The physical game. Injuries are going to happen. They're inevitable. You're going to have to have incredible depth. You're going to have to have uh, guys, guys you're going to have to call throughout the season and bring in. Uh, you're going to have to build a practice squad, so forth and so on. Uh, no, I, I just wonder how this extrapolates towards, you know, midseason, towards the end of the season when you get to the playoff push. Uh, once again, this could, this, this could be all for nothing, but I just, I just feel that lately – it hasn't been quality football in the sense that we as fans or perhaps the coaching staff can, can really evaluate what they have. Um, what do you think, man? Well, to me, it's the preseason, right? So I going into this and with the NFL having as much roster changes as it has throughout the year, like I don't think they're looking for that next guy, right? So I I mean, you look at it, to me, it's kind of like last year. You didn't hear anything about any of the guys who made an impact at all, right? So last year during the preseason, we didn't hear about Deshaun Watson. But did that stop him from bursting on the scene? And, you know, probably had he not been hurt, been, you know, the rookie of the year in the NFL. Uh, did it stop Kareem Hunt from bursting on the scene last year? Because um, he didn't have a lackluster preseason. Uh, so to me, it's like, I don't think these, you know, the teams go into this with, oh, we're trying to assess what we have. They already know what they have. Um, and you pretty much already know as a player if you're making the roster or if you're not. Um, and if not, then you're going to be on the practice squad. Um, I mean, how many times have we seen it to, I think, the Giants, um, their starting center two years ago was a used car salesman in New York. Um, so, <laughs> oh, <I> mean, man. I'm going to stop you. Hold up, bro. Hold up, bro. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there because that creates a fond memory for me. Uh, back in the uh, back in the, the, the mid to late 2000s, uh, the Saints had a kick returner uh, who was uh, who was a, a beer a beer man. He was a beer delivery man, Michael Lewis, and they called him the beer man. And like every nationally televised Saints game. Whoever the broadcaster was, they always told that story. They always called him the beer man. His name was, was, was Michael Lewis. Uh, aside from being a kick returner, he wasn't hardly any of, an, any of an offensive factor. So the casual fan may not know or remember him, but, but that, 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 that's, that's, a, that's a fond memory of mine. So, so thanks for connecting those dots for me, man. <laughs> I, no, I remember him. I was like, as soon as you said his name, I was like, he actually – he was a good kick returner special teams. I know yeah, he returned the, a couple yeah, the, um, yeah, to the house. The so, bear man. Uh, he had a couple of, yeah. Um, but, I mean, to me it's just like I don't think teams value the preseason, and I think that's why the players and all these guys are always asking to shorten it up because they know that the teams, like there's no point, there's no value in it, just other than getting you real live game action that you can't simulate in practice. Um, and so – I think that's more of the value that they're trying to get the players to understand. So it's like you can't, you can only 
um, you know, run a two-minute drill so much in practice before you actually have, like, a real rep or you have those moments where, um, you know, okay, you got a real rep, they're trying to spot the ball, you're trying to hurry up, the ref's kind of taking forever, and you're like, move out the way, you know, we're trying to go. Uh, you can't really simulate those situations in practice, and so I think that's more of what they use the preseason for um, than a, rather than I, than I think that they look at it as a way to assess talent, to assess kind of what they have. Um, I mean, because if, if you're a seventh-round pick, you know, you already know your days are going to be on the practice squad. You know, you have a very, very slim chance. And it didn't matter. You could have 12 picks, you know, in the, you know, in the preseason, and everyone's just kind of like, okay, well, it's the preseason, right? Uh, I mean, the Browns went 4-0 last year in the preseason, right? <laughs> and then look what happened come real game. So, to me, that's just, you know, I don't think the emphasis is on it. Um and I just think it's going to continue to be this way going forward. Um, and, I, you know, to me, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, you know, those guys, is, you know, they're going to have to learn to get their feet wet. You can't really simulate playoff scenarios. You can't really simulate the energy, the, the value of that stuff anyway. Um, so it's kind of, to me, a move point, and it's a waste of time. Um, and it's kind of like the same thing of, you know, how do they assess? Well, how do you assess a guy who runs the spread offense in college, like, you know, um, you know, like uh, Lamar Jackson and then bring him to run a pro-style offense in the NFL. You know, how do you assess? You don't. <laughs> you just kind of say he has the intangibles, he has the skill set. Let's hope that we can teach him uh, and bring him in our system and he can pick up and learn. I mean, that's, you know, kind of the same thing that you do in college, right? You go to college for four years, and then when you come out, you know, you haven't had a real job, but how does this company, you know, know that they can entrust in you um, to do something, Right. You know, you've never actually walked into a business and tried and sold a piece of equipment or, you know, tried to do whatever. Um, you know, the first time, you know, you went into a uh, to a place to do some physical therapy, I mean, you may have had some training and some internships, but there's nothing like when you got the real job and you're just kind of out there by yourself. You know, you kind of base it off of potential and base it off of your skill set and say, all right, well, he's got the intangibles of what we look for in our company, so let's hire him and give him a shot. Uh, it's kind of the same thing that I think the NFL looks at it as, as more of a business than it is a, an entertainment aspect of, you know, let's make sure we get the quality guys on this team because half the people playing in the preseason aren't going to be playing on the, uh, you know, playing on the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> hey, way, Aaron, way to use that that player hated degree right there to, to to give some real real world <laughs> examples, man. <laughs> uh, no, great points. Um, so I I, th- I think I think that you know just 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 going off the last last couple of points we made, um, you, know, you you really you really can't fully assess the entire team. Of course not. And uh, I think a couple areas where uh, NFL teams really focus on are the on both sides of the line. You know I feel like you can really really get a good sense of uh, what you have in your offensive line and your defensive line, uh, and and special teams. I mean, especially when you talk about players in the roster bubble, um, in order to make it as a number four, five, six receiver, uh, number four, five, six defensive back, uh, you know, the, the fifth, sixth linebacker, you you have to have a lot of value when it comes to special teams. And a lot of times, uh, you know, teams are looking for a punt returner, a kick returner, uh, a gunner. Um, you know, so sometimes there's, there's some some kicker battles going on because you know you can't forget the kickers, man. They're they're football players too. Um, 
but but yeah, uh, you, you really you really can't assess the whole team. And when you get to the regular season, I mean, each week each matchup has a very very specific uh, and intricate game plan. So yeah, in four preseason games, you can't go out there and see if Lamar Jackson is going to execute um, the the projected game plan. Uh, if and when he plays the Green Bay Packers or the uh, you know Tennessee Titans, but can can these players, especially the rookies and your free agent additions, can these players execute the the very basics of your playbook? Uh, and that's you know that that's the that's the backbone of things. You know that's that's step one, and that's that's probably where where the focus is. Um, speaking of Lamar Jackson. He's one of the one of the exciting rookies of this year's class. Uh, why don't we get into a, a couple a couple of rookies who who we think will make an impact this upcoming season? Uh, who who comes to mind? Who are who are you excited about watching? Uh, I will say, I'm I really want to see Saquon, man. I think um, with his addition to the Giants, it makes them dynamic. The only thing that I worry about is the New York football Giants offensive line is complete trash. <laughs> and so it's kind of unfair to him <laughs> that he's got to run behind that O-line. Um, and I don't think it will be a fair projection on if it will be a bust or not. Um, I mean, if he has the Dallas Cowboys O-line, of course he would, you know, kind of be in the conversations with Zeke and that's what everyone's going to want to compare him to. But um, I just don't think he's going to have the talent around him that Zeke has. Um, other than, I mean, but this year to me is going to be a big year for Zeke just because now that they don't have a wide out, you know, they're going to be able to focus on him. And we all know the struggles that Dak has. So, um, you know, it would be interesting to kind of watch what happens down there. But I would say kind of rookie-wise, though, to go back to the original question, I would say uh, definitely him. Um, he's probably at the top of my list of rookies that I'm going to look out for. And then um, Dalvin Cook, I still kind of consider him a rookie. Uh, he went out early last year, so he didn't get a full year under his belt. And kind of the same thing with Deshaun Watson. Uh, that guy was lighting it up, so I'm kind of anticipating on, uh, you know, what's going to happen with him. Um, you know, he's bouncing back off of injury as well. So kind of, you know, one true rookie and then one, you know, I call them 76ers rookies. You know, they sit out the first year and then come back and, you know, play the second year. So, <laughs> we'll call them the Sixers rookies. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, um, you're absolutely right about the, the Giants offensive line. Uh, by the way, the Saints play the Giants week four MetLife Stadium in my backyard. You better believe I'll be there. So perhaps a live version of Run the Point. We'll see. But anyway, one thing you can you can bank on with Saquon is he's he's gonna get he's gonna get the work. He's gonna get the carries. He's gonna be featured in that offense, uh, for better or for worse. Um, they, they've they've they're gonna have to be patient with him. They're gonna have to go through whatever growing pains he may or may not have. Uh, but the, the Giants' offense is is a little bit of a question mark, um, particularly because of that offensive line. And you know, how much does Eli have left? You got the the Jekyll and Hyde, Eli Manning, who uh, you know is about as as mobile as a as a uh, Sasquatch back there. Uh, so uh, I'm not really sure what to expect from that offense. But you put Odell, Odell Beckham out there, and you know, 
good things can happen. Um, I, I'm looking forward to this, watching Lamar Jackson play. I've been very disappointed with Joe Flacco in recent years. I think he's overpaid, overhyped, overrated. Uh, yeah, I said it. Uh, it's been a little bit of time since there's been a, a dual-threat quarterback like Lamar Jackson who has the potential to actually make an impact. Sure, there have been some that have been drafted. There have been some that have been added to rosters as undrafted free agents. Um, but I don't think any of them in recent years have had the opportunity that Lamar Jackson could and should have in Baltimore. Uh, and, you know, he can, he can erase a lot of question marks, a lot of doubts about dual-threat quarterbacks. You know, I won't get into that. They're, they're well-documented. No, no, they're not pocket passers. Or, you know, can, can they run a pro-style offense, so forth and so on. Uh, but if given the chance, I, I think he'll definitely be an exciting player to watch. Uh, and I'm going to cheat a little bit because his rookie year was cut short. Man, was Deshaun Watson cutting it up last season, man. And that connection with DeAndre Hopkins was – one for the ages. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him healthy again, too. Yeah, I mean, so the only thing kind of that scares me about Deshaun Watson, um, I mean, not Deshaun Watson, but Lamar Jackson, is it's the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I mean, they are not known for flashy offenses. They haven't had a flashy offense. They don't have one. Um, you know, I'm kind of looking at you know, they're a roster, and it's like, can you name their starting running back? Well, it was Terrence West, who was released, picked up by the Saints, who the Saints just released this week. So, not, nah, son. <laughs> yeah. Can you name one no, wide receiver uh, on their team? No, their starting running back is probably going to be Alex Collins, who uh, was splitting carries with West last year, who showed a, lot, who showed a little bit of potential, a little bit of flash. Uh, wide out. Okay. Uh, I mean, last year they had Jeremy Macklin and uh, uh, oh my gosh, yeah. the, the receiver who played played for Pittsburgh for so many years. He went to Ole Miss. Mike Mike Wallace. Uh, gone. Those are their top two wideouts. <laughs> I'm sorry. Both gone. Not even on the roster. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, along, along with Terrence West. So so yeah, we're you know, we're, we're we're saying we're saying the same same thing here. I mean, they're starting running back and they're. Two starting receivers are 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 gone. I mean, I don't I don't know what they're going to be on offense. Um, and you know, as you said, they're not a flashy offense. But you know, I'm a very open-minded and optimistic person. I believe people can change. And uh, you no, know, I can't John Harbaugh, right? Why not? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so I mean, that's my only take again. I am not a Lamar Jackson fan at all. Um, so. I wish him nothing but success, but I don't think he's worthwhile. Um, I think, you know, his demise is just going to be his, you know, passing ability. Yes, I understand the dual threat um, quarterback idea. I understand that. But tell me the last time a dual threat quarterback won the Super Bowl. Um, and I would probably give you Russell Wilson, but I wouldn't say Russell Wilson is – as dynamic, um, you know, I think he's a better passer than a lot of the other guys that you may have mentioned. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, so we'll see. But, you know, I definitely think that uh, you know, they got a lot to kind of uh, to worry about. So, I mean, I still, I mean, they'll be all right. They'll be halfway decent. They'll be competitive. Um, they'll at least beat the Browns. So, 
<laughs> oh, man. Speaking of the Browns, I will also be at the Saints versus Browns game at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. That'll be week two. So, there you go. Uh, and the, the Browns, the Browns definitely have talent. And on offense, uh, uh, on offense, yeah. Let, let, let's make that clear. On on offense, um, but that that allow allow that to catapult us into our next discussion. Mister Des Bryant, who recently visited the Browns and left without a deal. Um, if you remember, Aaron, Des was uh, adamant on social media uh, a while back about the reason why he's not on a team isn't because teams didn't want him, but it was because he was taking his time. It was more of, of his choice and how he wanted things to unfold. And that ended up being him going to see the Browns. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't really make much sense of that. Like if I'm a, if I'm Des Bryant and I'm like, you know what? I haven't been signed. It's not because there's lack of interest. I want to take my time and pick the right fit. And apparently he thought the right fit was the Cleveland Browns. Uh, what, where's, what's going on with this? So I think, uh, so apparently from what I've heard, I haven't watched it, um, but there is a show that the Cowboys did last year, uh, almost like Hard Knocks, but it was during the season. Um, and potentially there's a lot of unfavorable uh, footage of Dez, and that's kind of been his demise of just seeing the way he's interacted with teams and coaches, um, you know, and in the film room and things like that. So, I think that's kind of been, you know, his demise. Uh, I eventually think someone's going to be desperate enough in the season to pick him up. Um, I think we'll, you know, if we see a major uh, injury to a big, you know, time wide out or maybe to a second string, uh, you know, a number two receiver, I could see a team going after him um, and making it just to say, okay, hey, we need him. We had a good thing going. Let's give him a shot um, kind of a deal. Um you know, if Indomit can sue, can still get a job, I don't see why Dez can't. So, <laughs> but Dom can sue is out of there stepping on people's faces, man. Like he was, he was just like kicking uh, people in the head. Like, like, nah, it wasn't me. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, you know, I just think that's his demise. Um, I don't think. I think he's lost a step or two, but I still think he can produce. Um, I, me personally, I know it will never happen. Uh, was kind of hoping he would end up in New England because our wide receiver core is depleted, uh, essentially. And so, you know, we could use a, a big name like that just to kind of, you know, at least have the threat on the field, um, so to speak. It's kind of how I look at it. Um, you know, he's going to draw some attention. He may not draw a lot of attention. But, um, you know, to me, I just know that there's no way in hell that Belichick's going to be able to follow his shit. So, um, <laughs> well, would, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be wouldn't wouldn't that be eerily similar to the Patriots bringing on Randy Moss? I mean, but let me let me set the record straight. I'm not comparing Des Bryant to Randy Moss, uh, but but I well, but I can see no. I can see a lot of comparisons there. No, um, because Randy Moss was never an issue in the locker room. Randy Moss had problems and issues off the field, uh, but he never had issues on the field. I mean, with, with amongst the organization, which is where a lot of Dez's problems have been and which is why a lot of teams shy away from him. So I think that's the biggest difference. If teams are willing to put up with a lot of off-the-field stuff, i.e., 
uh, Greg Hardy, i.e. all of these guys who go out, um, Martavius Bryant, um, who else that's been in the, you know, um, what's my boy, Jamie, uh, not Jamie Collins, but um, Chandler Jones, you know, when he was in the oh, 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 come on, you're, you're, leaving out, you're leaving out Pac-Man. <laughs> leaving out Pac-Man Jones, bro. Yeah, Pac-Man Jones. Pac-Man Jones getting in a fight in the Atlanta airport, whooping ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the strip clubs, whooping ass, <laughs> getting in fights with strippers. Uh, and still, but still, you know, taking the field on Sunday. So I think teams are willing to put up with that, but uh, they don't like to put up and deal with the uh, intangibles in the locker room and questioning of authority uh, from the team. Um, I mean, yeah, you just you're looking at, looking at that, two, two different things, uh, uh, right? You're looking at you're looking at, at at those are very very separate issues when you when you're separating, uh, you know, having on the field issues like uh like good old Keyshawn Johnson gave me the damn ball versus you know yeah, whatever it is that's book. been going on with with, with Dez. <laughs> uh yeah that's that's pro- that's probably a big reason why he's currently unemployed but um I do I do think that some team will be desperate uh players uh, of a lot worse uh uh character have been given second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. Um, it's only a matter of time. But I, I'll tell you what would be scary. And you mentioned Dez losing a step. Uh, you know, he was. I consider him more of a possession receiver, uh, run after the catch type of guy. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna catch the ball at its highest point. He's gonna be physical. He's gonna he's gonna fight for 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 the reception and so forth and so on. Uh, you know, I, I never saw him as uh, you know, as someone with blazing speed who's just going to, uh, you know, take the top of a defense, to use a cliche. Uh, so once once those receivers get into the twilight of their career, you know, they can still find ways to, to be successful. Uh, but an offense that's, that was struggling in the red zone last season, uh, even with their star quarterback, uh, who lost their number one receiver, uh, who already added a former Pro Bowl tight end to bolster their red zone offense. Uh, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but if the Green Bay Packers somehow added Des Bryant, that would be scary. And I don't know why, but I have a feeling that he may end up in Green Bay. It, it's got to be a, a situation with a strong coaching staff, a strong organization, uh, you know, a, an MVP caliber quarterback. Um, and I just have a feeling that come week two, three, four, if the Packers are struggling on offense, even the slightest, if Aaron Rodgers has already been on record saying he's disappointed with the play of some of his receivers this this uh, training camp, I, I I can see Dez ending up in Green Bay, and that is scary. Do you think that's a possibility? I mean, I think anything's a possibility. I don't think there's any lead to where he's at, but I think um... – you know, I could see the same thing. So, you know, the other day, uh, you know, Brady got pissed at, you know, the wide receiving core and punted the football into the crowd. Um, so, you know, I anything – Wait, 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 wait. Uh, the, the golden boy. The, the, the golden boy yes. got upset at practice? <laughs> yes, and punted the football into the crowd. Um, uh. But – you know, so I, you know, could he end up in Green Bay? I, I think at this point, uh, he could end up at anywhere. Um, I wouldn't, I would not be surprised. Like I said, I think any team 
that's exactly what I kind of see happening. Either that, you know, a team is struggling uh, and they're desperate and they're right on the cusp, um, or a team was hot, they, someone goes down, they need someone because they had a legit shot at making a playoff run, um, all that kind of things. Um, you know, how teams reorg just halfway through the middle of the season because it's like, all right, this isn't working, let's try something new. They get hot and make a late playoff run um, and kind of see what happens and sneak into the wild card and hope to do some damage kind of a deal. Um, so I can see plenty of scenarios and things playing out and Des, you know, being or not being a part of it. Um, so, you know, I just – but I also think in his downfall too is like the wide receiver position is like they're a di- – I mean, there's a bunch of wide receivers, right? Like there's the market is hot. Um, I think if it was a quarterback situation, we might be seeing something different. Um, but at the same time, I just think, you know, with wide outs, people, you know, some people are just staying away because it's kind of like, eh, I can go get a guy and not have to worry about it. So, um, yeah. So, sp- speaking of quarterbacks, I was looking at the, uh, the, the, the ticker that you see, you know, on the bottom of ESPN or NFL Network that flashes the stats. Um, and I saw a quarterback stats, a quarter, excuse me, a quarterback stats, and it was <laughs> it was Matt Schaub. And I was like, how is Matt Schaub still in the NFL? Didn't even know he was still playing. There are so many bum backup quarterbacks that I, it's it's comical to me. Uh, but I, I we might see uh, Dez doing push-ups in his driveway, uh, a la. The good old T.O. That that would be that would be entertaining. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he's he's definitely in, in you know a kind of interesting personality, uh, a polarizing character um, that we probably uh, don't even know the half of of what it, what he's like behind uh, closed doors in the locker room, and um, that 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 could easily be one of the main deterrent factors, as you initially mentioned. Uh, but you know there there aren't there aren't a lot of free agents hanging around. I mean, that's, we're we're going to get to the time of uh, the off season where teams are going to have to slim the roster down to that number fifty three. Uh, there are going to be some good players that are cut. Uh, teams are going to pick up players that are cut. There's going to be a little bit of of, of roster shuffle, roster changes. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that unfolds in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but the preseason is still the preseason, and we got we've got to endure this for two more weeks. Then finally, <laughs> the real deal is here—the moment we've all been waiting for. Uh, any <laughs> are there are there any are there any teams, and I know we've got into a lengthy discussion about how vanilla the preseason has been for various reasons, but is, is there, is there one team that has uh, changed your mind the last couple of weeks based on anything you've seen, any team that you thought was going to be bad. Now you think may have a chance, any team you thought was going to run away with it. You now think eh, maybe not so much. Uh, to be honest with you, no. Um, so I think because um, I, I don't put any stock in the preseason um, at all. Um, when the Browns can go four and zero and then go zero and sixteen, that to me shows you the level of 
uh, you know, care that goes into the preseason. So um, I don't put any stock into it when it comes to an overall team standpoint. Uh, I try and look at individual players, uh, i.e. those coming back from injury, i.e. those kind of big-name rookies, and just kind of see how they do. Um, and you can just kind of tell by looking at them, okay, do they look comfortable, do they look uncomfortable, um, you know, are they making just the simple plays because this is so vanilla? Um, so it's kind of like if they're struggling um, heavily during the preseason, then that to me just kind of shows signs that they might not have that breakout rookie year or make that big of an impact that you think. Um, just because if, you know, with the you know preseason being so vanilla and so simple, it's like, okay, dive play to the left, like, you know, hit the A-gap and go. Um, super simple, super easy. And it's like, you can't do that. then you know, you got a long way coming, Mr. Guy. Um, so I, you know, to me, zero stock. So I would say there's zero teams that have changed my mind thus far. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I, I think I will say after week, you know, after the first month, um, you know, I would kind of say, you kind of know who the pretenders are and who the contenders are. Um, at that point in time. Well, I think that I've used the word vanilla more times in the last 45 minutes than I've used in the last three years. So let's let's switch gears and talk a little NCAA football. Uh, you want to run through perhaps any any hot topics? Uh, any Anything of note in the collegiate pigskin ranks? So they've released the, uh, you know, preseason college football rankings. And they're right about where people thought, you know, they were going to be. So you got the defending champs, Alabama, number one, Clemson, two, Georgia, three, Wisconsin, four, and Ohio State, five, to round out the top five, Um, you know. My Florida State Seminoles are sitting in at number 19, which isn't too bad, you know, not too shabby for them. Um, you know, some other highlights are kind of key. You've got Notre Dame at 12 and Stanford at 13, Michigan under Coach Harbaugh at 14. So, um, you know, I, I think this year is going to be very interesting. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's still going to come down to the same teams. Um, as it always does, but, you know, for me, I'm just can't wait. Um, You know, what is it, August 30th, so nine days away now. Uh, You know, the season kicks off with some pretty um, cupcake games, as I would say. (laughs) But, you know, Labor Day weekend is going to be a classic, so it's all that matters. And and it's it's amazing how – Regardless of how preseason rankings show up, what happens during the first five, six weeks of the NCAA football season, um, expanding the the playoff to four games at the end of the season, it's always the same teams. <laughs> well, so I think this year the thing that – is going to be key is this. So I think Bama is still going to be dominant, but this year, other than most years, um, there's two keys that go into it. So if you have a good offensive line, uh, because Bama's defensive line is, you know, 
taken a step back from previous. So they're still better than normal, but they're not, you know, Alabama to where they're putting three guys in the NFL from off their defensive line every year kind of uh, caliber. Um, So this year they may have one guy that, you know, is going to kind of be that transcendent player, I would say. Um, So if you can kind of, you know, which means to me, if you want to put pressure on the quarterback, what do you got to do? Blitz. And then what does that do? Leaves your secondary alone. Um, And they're not that great um, this year. Still plenty of talent, but a lot of inexperience. So um, if you can take the top off of the defense, uh, then you can give Bama some struggles. And they probably got about two teams on their um, on their schedule this year that can give them some trouble, uh, that can probably do that. So, you know, there's that. Um, I think Ohio State with kind of all their current struggles um, and kind of the Urban Meyer, you know, waiting situation <laughs> – kind of figure out what happens to him um, is going to be interesting. Uh, in Georgia, I think this is going to be a setback here um, for them. So I think it's a little bit more open. Uh, at the end of the day, I still think some of those top teams are still going to sneak in. Um, but as my good friend Lee Corso say, it will be closer than what the experts think. <laughs> oh, I, didn't, I didn't know you and Lee Corso were friends. Uh, I didn't know he was – and know that you were welcome at at the uh, Corso family Thanksgiving table. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Lee Corso is an old West Point graduate, you know, both Army connection. He used to coach at Florida State, uh, you know, i.e. one of my favorite schools. So, uh, you know, we got a lot in common. Uh, we're pretty much, um, you know, Instagram and Twitter friends. So uh, I guess you could say things are pretty serious between the two of us. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, nowadays that's, uh, that's about as legit as a friendship can be, right? <laughs> Exactly. You know, we're friends on Facebook. It's all that matters. You like my posts. We're pretty much besties. <laughs> oh man. Um, the the so I, I in I'm in looking at the the top. I'll keep it to to the top ten. Um, let's 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 each pick a team who can. So let's let's exclude Bama and Clemson. Uh, so let's let's go three. Let's go three through fifteen. Uh, let's each pick uh, pick a team that we think can sneak into to the Final Four come season's end. Uh, maybe one that's that's unexpected. Uh, for for me, I I think Washington should be. Uh, I think I would replace Washington and Wisconsin. I, I think Washington is going to be really strong, especially on both sides of the line, O line and D line. And I would not be surprised one bit if I, I think the top three are going to stay stand pat, but I wouldn't be surprised if Washington ended up being that number four team come season's end. Who, who do you got? So I will say this. So I would agree when it comes to to UW, but the only thing of why I don't trust them is because time and time again they have shown me they cannot win the big game. They are talented and they will beat the great off the teams that they are supposed to beat, um, and they have the talent to hang. Um, but when it comes to playing against that, you know, that next tier up, so it's kind of like, okay, when, you know, you can beat, um, you know, let's say you can beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, but you don't show up when you come to play the Patriots, right? Like you go into Jacksonville and then you beat the brakes off of them within – New England comes to your house and you just shit the bed. Uh, that's kind of who Washington is, is, you know, they go in and they can beat those teams, but when it comes to taking that next step up and playing that elite 
um, you know, those top-tier programs. They just shit the bed. And it's nothing to me more than just coaching and, you know, getting them prepared. Um, but I would have to say if there's a team that I could say to sneak in and as much as this is going to hurt me to say, I'm going to go with the U. Um, oh, Oh, oh. <laughs> as a you, Florida State guy, as a Florida State guy, it hurts me to say to you, but I, Miami has that swag, and they got you know that old school Miami swag back, and it's scary. They got the uh, the turnover chain, and you know they got now they got the trash uniforms from literally the uniforms made from trash. Um, by hey, Adidas, hey, recycled so. materials, bro. <laughs> recycled materials. Yeah, recycled <laughs> materials, i.e., trash. Um, so, <laughs> you know, but I, I, you know, I give them props. So they made a hell of a run last year, um, and they look really good. And I think if they can put it together this year, uh, they definitely will make a run. They would be one of those teams that, um, you know, if I'm a Bama, if I'm a Ohio State, if I'm a Clemson. Um, you probably don't want to run into them because, um, you know, you, they get things rocking down there in South Beach. So uh, I would probably say Miami has a good shot of sneaking in and kind of, you know, being that out, you know, outside sleeper um, pick. Well, uh, it's – so uh, it's it's interesting, and, uh, you know, I see this as nothing but positive. Outside of, of Clemson, uh, of course, they are the highest-ranked highest – ACC team, um, and I, I think at least preseason that they absolutely deserve to be in the top ten, uh, and, and I would not be surprised if they if they somehow snuck in as well. Uh, especially, I, I believe they have a lot of a lot of returning players this year, and they had a pretty good run last season. That turnover chain is 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 amazing. Uh, I hope to see a lot of it this season. Um, but uh, back to back to my pick. I mean, the fact that Washington is the highest preseason ranked Pac-12 team to, says a lot to me. I mean, that I think the Pac-12 is a, is an underrated conference. I think they have a, a lot of quality teams. The, the, the competition is, is, is always, is always phenomenal. Uh, I went out to uh, LA last year to, to watch USC Stanford. And that's probably one of the best college games I've, I've ever seen. Uh, especially the the two quarterbacks going at one another uh, last season, uh, but you know, it, it, why don't why don't we why don't we how about this? We're going to have Bama, Clemson, Washington, and Miami. This is our final four. We're both right. We're both right. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I my only thing is is with the Pac-12 is there's not enough quote unquote what I would call average teams, right? So in the Pac-12, you have your top three. So I would say, yeah, I would give you Washington, Stanford, USC. And after that, I mean, you got nobody. And I think that's why the Pac-12 doesn't get the respect is because they have three teams that are really good and the rest of them are garbage. Um, To whereas within, you know, the SEC – Pretty much what they're saying is, you know, if, you know, Ole Miss moved out to the Pac-12, Ole Miss would win the Pac-12 or compete for the Pac-12 a lot more than, um, you know, a bottom-tier SEC team would, you know, can't compete with a top-tier Pac-12 team. Um, 
I'm going to just interject for, for just a moment, and then please, please finish your thought. Um, I, I just don't want, to, don't want you to ignore squads like Oregon, Cal, Oregon State, UCLA, Utah. No, those aren't, you know, those aren't going to be powerhouse teams, but those are, those are three, four teams that, that can, can surprise in, in a positive way this season. So, anyway, go ahead. I'm not talking about pushing for a national title, but those are teams that, that can be above average that perhaps we and a lot of experts I, may be dismissing. So the only thing with that is, is you put Oregon and you put, let's say, I, you know, if you put Oregon and you put Tennessee on a neutral field, I, I'm i going to give Tennessee a shot. I, I would pick Tennessee, to be honest with you. Um, that's, that's, I don't think that Oregon is in that same level. Um, I don't think that, you know, Cal is at that same level. Um, just overall football program-wise, um, you know, if, if you put those teams on a neutral field, um, like you give me, you give me, hell, you give me Mississippi, you bring Cal into Mississippi State on a Saturday night, um, I do not see them walking out of Mississippi State with a W. Um, well, Mississippi State is in the top 25, and, and, and Cal is not. So, oh, I, you know, just, just just to no, clarify, I'm not, I'm not saying – oh, they're, oh, they're not? I must okay, have, yeah, I must they're, have they're 18. Red. They are 18. Okay, they okay, are 18. So, 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 all right, so, so we're not talking, I'll find we're not talking about top 25. I'll give you Ole Miss. <laughs> I'll give you bro, Ole bro, Miss. Not, I'll keep picking Ole bro, Miss. Bro, bro. Bro, bro, we're not talking about top twenty-five teams here. I'm just saying that the, that the Pac-12 has got a few teams that can surprise and be above average, and I just think that uh, it's it's definitely not the strongest conference, but I just think that it's an underrated one, and there are a lot of good good football games. There are a lot of good battles, uh, you know, year in year out, and I'm just I'm just saying, watch out for Washington. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you them. I, like I said, I'll give you Washington and I'll give you Stanford. I, I'm a huge Bryce Love fan. I'm actually mad he didn't go into the draft. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's his choice. But uh, no effect on my pockets at all. So, um, yeah, I, like I said, I'm a fan of the Pac-12, but I just don't – I think they get the amount of respect that they deserve. So, after the, you know, the top three – um, the rest of them just aren't that great to me. So, I'm a big I'm a big fan of of defensive line play when it comes to football. I mean, you have a dominant D line, then the 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 second and third levels uh, excel exponentially better. Uh, and when you get to the Pac-12, you got you got all all those all those Samoan beasts out there, man. It's just fun to watch. Yeah. So, I, neutral field. LSU versus Oregon, who you're taking? Uh, LSU. Okay. <laughs> what exactly? LSU is like a bottom-tier SEC team. <laughs> no, 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 no that, that, that's unfair. You're, you're, ask, you're asking a, a diehard Saints fan to, to, to pick against LSU in Death Valley. That's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. 
Alabama That's like Washington, Madden, at Washington. In Washington. Al- in Alabama? Washington. Of course I'm going to pick Versus Alabama. Washington. I'm no fool. <laughs> I don't care. I'm picking Alabama. <laughs> I'll say I'll say you what though I'll take Washington. Or, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll I'll take I'll take uh, I'll take any one of those three top Pac-12 teams against FSU. Boom! I said it. Oh, okay. We might see how that plays out, my friend. <laughs> I, I feel like we're gonna have to make a a lot of a friendly wagers this this season uh, when it comes to both NFL and NCAA football that are gonna be that are gonna be presented on Run the Point. And put on put on oh, yeah. our Facebook page. We'll, we'll have to get into some of that. All uh, right, so my friend, got, do you got uh, anything else? No, no, I was just gonna say we we're, we're just we're just pushing pushing uh, pushing the hour here. Um, yeah, this was this was fun just having having no script, just getting into some some good old hard nosed football talk. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have uh, uh, a lot more structure next week. Um, try and get some some guests on the show. Maybe get another boxing update, uh, and then another week of preseason will be in the books. Will be another week closer to MLB playoffs, and another week closer to the the NBA season, which is a big waste of time because the Dubs are going to win. But anyway, uh, <laughs> tune in to tune in next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Uh, oh, hold on. Actually, before go, we go, go before ahead. we go, we have a Kawhi Leonard sighting. So today, oh, no. Kawhi Leonard played basketball, basketball, mind you, his actual sport, uh, with LeBron and KD at UCLA. I, I heard about that. So apparently, apparently, all's fine, uh, you know, with, with with those three guys and. The, all this other nonsense is uh, is, is publicity, uh, but I would have been really shocked if you had mentioned a fourth member on the on the court being C.J. McCollum, and if you would have mentioned a fifth, Draymond Green, forget it, man. <laughs> but no, they, I, it's, I, they weren't in the photo that was posted, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, know, you never know, man. You never know. But you add McCollum and, and, and Draymond to that group then I'd be interested nah, but it's 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 always it's always cool as fans to to see to see these athletes get along you know there's you get into the, the heat of battle uh it, it, during the season a lot of trash talking you know you you might think oh this player hates this player and and whatever but you know I, I, I'm, I'm sure there there are many many more more friendships than than uh than, than en- enemy ships out there to, to make up a word there so no nah, that's, that's that's cool to see, uh, but nah, there's there's no there's no C.J. McCollum sighting anywhere in L.A. around that time. <laughs> I can guarantee you that he stayed he stayed in Portland, bro. Uh, all right, let, let's oh, yeah. wrap this up. We'll get we'll get back at it next week. Take care, y'all. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Peace.